feel good to go? Yeah, I feel good. All right. All right. Welcome back, analysis listeners. Want to welcome back to the podcast first somebody who's not very important today, Mike Hammond. Hey, welcome back, man. But more importantly, our special guest today, a writer from La La Land, the magical world of Hollywood, Miss Kate Loveless. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Bob. And welcome and back, Mike. Mike. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I do talk, uh, I think. So we'll see how this goes. Kate, you have writing credits on shows like Shrill and a new show on AMC, Kevin Can Fuck Himself. It depends on what you consider new, but it's it's been out for, it, it, it was made in yeah. 2021, so I consider that new at least. It's been out for a few months. I do have and, a couple of edits already, real quick. One is that I don't actually have a writing credit on Shrill, but, and then also that um, I've worked as an assistant on that show, writer's assistant, and then it's called Kevin Can F Himself. We aren't uh, supposed to say... Oh, you're yeah. not supposed to say it's Kevin can f himself. To, I've been, yeah. that's why I've been. Start s- out. Yeah. That's why it's never in, in you, the title sequence. There's a different way to yeah. make sure you don't see the full letter. I just lean into swear words, so yeah. I I get really Which excited. I respect, to swear. But just for the integrity of the yeah. podcast, I want to make sure people know. Well, maybe later we'll we'll discover from you what the difference between a writer's assistant is and somebody who has a writing credit on a show. That that could yeah. be interesting as well. But and and I want to say that the reason you're here talking to us, and a lot of times when we have guests on, we're just nerds that like to see how the sausage gets made over there on our favorite TV shows and movies, et cetera. And I'd like to say that you're just such a huge fan of our interview work that you felt compelled to come on. Really, what's more likely to be the case is that you're one of the best friends of Mike Hammond's girlfriend. That is true, but... <laughs> but thank you for being here anyway. And I was impressed with your interview skills at Map Room in Chicago. Oh, when we just, we were drinking beers and ah. I just casually asked you 40 open-ended questions about your career? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that can't turn was, it off. Um, that was my first time really meeting Mike, too. So I was doing a lot of... Uh, hard judgment there because yeah. is important to me and i needed yeah. to decide if he was worth it or not um and, and decide if this podcast was worth it or not and <laughs> yeah so i and, and both and you both passed hey uh, hey whew. meeting meeting a friend's significant other or being somebody who's joining a group of friends does sometimes feel like an interview though oh yeah you're always, you're, you're almost, sometimes these, these, these kind of first chance meets, you're almost being interviewed or yeah, some sort of job interview almost, or like a first date kind of thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk freaking TV here. I was, I was so, and the reason why I asked you 40 questions was I, I'm just so fascinated by writer's rooms and, and, and writing. And a lot of times when you think about would people think about their affections towards a show, you know, first it goes to the actor because they're the person that you get connected with, with the character and they're the face that is, is being presented to you. And then maybe you think about the director and they're kind of this auteur film has always been considered movie films has always been considered the director's medium. But then I read this book, which was by Brent Martin and it was called difficult men. And it was all about the show creators starting with kind of the 
Sopranos and the David Chase, and then that flows into The Wire, and it flows into Breaking Bad, and some of these other kind of this revolutionary kind of anti-hero that took over TV. And it really focused on the writer's room. And it's just so interesting to think about that, because really in TV, the writer is the star. And the way it's presented, at least David Chase said it, was, you know, TV is this relentless beast and the writer is the only one that can feed it because it's not just two hours. It's, it's almost like a novel, like you need chapters to, to fill in this book. And so the writer is actually so important to, to the television process specifically. And I just wanted to see from you to get us started here, like how did you get into screenwriting and what drew you to television in particular? So I went to USC in Los Angeles. Yep, there it is. Uh, and I went to just for like general writing. I was just like in the College of Letters and Arts and stuff. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the first time I took a screenwriting class through my major, I was like, oh, well, this is the obvious choice because you get to do it with other people. And it's mm-hmm. way more fun to write something when you're like riffing with other people and someone who really connects with one of your characters can give you good fodder for that. Um, it just made way more sense to me. Growing up, I did this nerdy thing called Destination Imagination. That, siren. <laughs> that's a big siren. Uh, also, that sounds like a South Park term. Yeah, Imagination, <laughs> Destination, Stan. <laughs> and before that, it was called Odyssey of the Mind. Which oh, is a big siren status. Wow, uh, golly. Siren is getting a lot of work today. Yeah, real nerdy, just like a bunch of kids putting on skits together and like building props out of cardboard and stuff. And it was basically a writer's room. Like it's just, I, I definitely thrive when it's a group of people putting a story together with each other instead yeah. of just me in a vacuum. Well, that's, that's so interesting because in that book, and I guess we're in the siren every time I mention the book, but it talks about how there's this tension between this tourism of the head writer like a David Chase on Sopranos and the necessary collaboration that they need to have with their writer's room and sometimes there's this tension that comes about that, that sometimes breeds this incredible creativity and it's kind of this this like showrunner who's a lot of times from what I can understand a showrunner gives you the bones of the episode but then almost like a carpenter like someone needs to fill in the walls, like someone needs to put the drywall up and someone needs to put the words to the page that is centered around the showrunner's structure of the episode. Can you talk to me about in your experience, is that accurate or how, how does the process go in general? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has that kind of like, uh, there is kind of an assembly line status to it where it's like the showrunner knows what the show looks like in their heads. They know the general arc that they want to happen. This is my experience, at least, that I've worked on shows where the showrunners really knew how they wanted the show to start and end. And they knew they had eight episodes to get there. And maybe they had some ideas, like we definitely want this one episode to be like the low point, or we want Mm -hmm. her to have, like in Shrill, they knew that they wanted to do the abortion story. That was one story from Lindy West's novel that they really wanted to include. In mm-hmm. Friends in College, Francesca Del Banco and Nick Stoller really wanted 
to have like a wedding episode. That was an important thing that they thought was funny to do. Um, a bunch of people getting together after college for a wedding. So they'll come to the room with that. And as a writer's assistant, it was my job to kind of keep track of anything the showrunner said. We definitely want this to happen. I'd keep it just on a list somewhere so that if ever they're like, all right, here we are, episode three. What do we want to do in episode three? W once a writer is off the script, most of the story is done. Okay. So, okay. so then like, I guess an extension of that would be uh, like a show like Kevin can F himself. How much of that story does the showrunner or the writers in general know like the genesis of in terms of you have this one season, then season two, like, do, are you writing two more seasons than you have in your head like that? Or like, how are you doing a story in segments like that in seasons? I think it's different, you know, uh, working on Kevin can F himself, it felt like there was a more um, specific breakdown of how things needed to happen because it was way more serialized than something like yeah. Um, yeah. Friends of College or Shrill, where it was a little more open-ended sitcom-y. Um, and I think in the case of Kevin Can F himself, you're definitely always thinking at least a season ahead. Um, if she knows, if our showrunner Valerie knew that she wanted, um, and I'm not saying this is what happens, but if she no, knew she do wanted, it. I'm not doing it. Uh, if so in four, episodes, wanted, four seasons, we know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> right. I mean, kind of. I think you kind of, a lot of, you know, this is her baby. Valerie Armstrong created this when she was, I think, 29, and she was an assistant, and she, like, really knew... The first season is about her trying to kill her husband. The second season is the fallout from that. The third season is, you know, whatever that's going to be. And mm -hmm. um, she definitely had all that worked out because I think it was, it, it has that like dramatic element. And I wonder if comedy can, can be more open-ended. It doesn't need to have um, heavier, heavier plot moves per season. Well, and I think that there's been this evolution in television as an art form versus what used to be kind of this novelty. And a lot of times really creative and artistic people looked at television as middle brow. And it was, it was stuff that was pleasant and fluffy that wouldn't upset the viewer coming back from a Tide commercial. Cause Tide doesn't want their product associated with Tony Soprano drowning a man in a pool. Right, so they were just like, it's, it's gotta be pleasant, it's middle brow, it's, it's, it's just there to kind of make people unwind after work. And really after kind of that Sopranos and Breaking Bad and, and there was really a market that started to grow from more weighty work, it became more accessible for the creative types to go play. And so that's really interesting to me because both shows that you're, you're working on very heavily in terms of your creative process, Shrill, is a female-centered, weighty dramedy. There's some, you, you talked about abortion in there. That's, that's very early on in that series that they have that episode and they have, they have that moment happen in a scene and it's, it's, it's not easy for people to watch, it, it, but it, I think it's, an, it's important and was incredibly dramatic. And then you've got Kevin Kenneth himself. And for those who aren't super aware of what that show's about, it really sets up as a parody or a criticism, if you will, on some of the shows like 
King of Queens or Everybody Loves Raymond, where it's this slobby middle-class husband and he's got this attractive but nag wife. And it, mm-hmm. it explores what happens if the camera, instead of going off with this chili cook-off that these guys are trying to pull off or Kevin running for city office randomly, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if the camera and the, the focus of the narrative stays with the woman and how mm-hmm. incredibly selfish and quite honestly, uh, almost a, a hell reality, a hellish reality that these men put these wives into. And, and, it, and it's saying like, this is the narrative that's been shown to America in, in themes that have been reinforced through. Right. This is the light palatable thing we're all ha ha haing at is, yeah, m- just a man child completely torturing his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I'm, I'm interested to you, like, do you think Valerie or, or the creators of Show or some of the, they, like, they, they kind of hit this at the perfect time where audiences are ready for it? Because I don't think these shows get made in the 90s. Oh yeah, no, I don't think they get made in the 90s. And I um, I think the appetite for them is increasing, especially just like there are so many more ways to watch TV. I think it's not as competitive. It's not, you know, I don't know that Shrill could have been one of four TV shows that airs on a Monday night on CBS, right? Yeah. Like it's a much more competitive market early in the 2000s. And, and because there are things like Hulu and Netflix, and AMC Plus, there's room for these kinds of things. But I also think, yeah, there's a huge appetite for it. And I think that kind of tempering the drama with comedy makes it an even bigger audience because it's, it's so much easier to watch when you can laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, really. Right. And then, and then with that show specifically, do you find it more challenging to write the dramatic elements or the sitcom comedy elements in the show uh, with how you balance those two things? I thought, so I had never worked on anything that had hard drama in it. And I thought it was so fun. It, I worried about it at first because I was like, oh man, I'm coming at this with like a stand-up background and like nerd improv stuff. Like, I don't know how I'm going to, like this is AMC, they did Breaking Bad. How am I going to compete? But it was so fun to work on. And also I think there was enough comedy in the, in the drama that it wasn't, I, I don't feel like I ever had to write anything that was just like pure gritty, like mm. the wire stuff. But, but, but there is that part of the satire is so good with the sitcom part. So there's the comedy of that. Then there's just, it's kind of funny to watch those jokes that I just don't, I don't watch CBS shows or AB. I, I don't see sitcoms like that, but then it really gets grounded with the drama side of it, which is just pretty heavy at times, but it's, it's not overdoing it. So that heavy part was, was fun to write. You, you mm-hmm. like that part of it? Okay. Yeah, I love that. And I also, I had never written anything, honestly, as like hard comedy as, um, as the Kevin part of the Kevin can F himself. And that is so fun to write. I'm like now like, dang, do I want to write on one of those? <laughs> like, like what are you just like watching Friends reruns and uh, like no, how did you? Frasier. We did a lot Frasier? of like Friends okay. and Frasier were like our homework because I think those are somewhere like the writing is pretty solid. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, like home improvement, we all grew up loving that. Mm, yeah. Watched a oh, lot yeah. of those things. It was, a, it was a, it was a fun, like memory lane homework assignment. 
Well, it, it, to me, it's very Kings of Queens because it's this male fantasy of like, because he, Kevin is a c- cable repairman. And I think in King, King of Queens, the the main character is like a delivery, like a male delivery guy. But, mm-hmm. and he's got this like smoking hot wife and Annie Murphy. And I, it just, it feels, yeah. it's, it's, it's so cr- creative what you guys do with the lighting and the production design of, the house when Kevin's in it and it's sitcom versus when you oh know, yeah it's just I love the, the just way it, I, the I mean because I didn't we ended the writers room on March 13th so the day before the pandemic oh started. wow yeah so I really didn't know anything about it after that so my first time seeing the show was like everyone else's first time seeing the show and I I, re- I thought it really turned out so so wow. well the that physical shift not just the writing. It was so cool. That's interesting because one of my main questions was like back to Bob's point of the process. I'm so interested in the writing process. So you're writing all this and then you're just out. Like, are you ever going, like, what are you doing when it's being filmed? You're just on the sidelines. Um, well, so since, so I started this first season actually as a writer's assistant and because Valerie and and her co-showrunner Craig DeGregorio just like trusted me. They let me write this half episode for season one. And so I think in that case, I probably wouldn't have gone to set, but I know that traditionally writers go to set for their episode and can, you know, pitch on punch-ups or if if it looks like they're not going to be able to finish shooting everything in time, kind of pitching on um, solutions to keep things a little tighter. But because of the pandemic, none of that was happening anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the percentage of, like, are there rewrites from, like, once the the cast gets the script, are they able to be, like, give input? Or I guess that's a project-by-project thing, but is there a writer on there that would edit things like that? Or is it just there? I mean, on Friends from College, I was a writer's assistant on that as well. And I was an on-set assistant because... I think it was one of those where we realized how, you know, it's a, I don't know if y'all have seen it. It's a really beautiful show. Lots of like on location and Manhattan things. And that just requires a whole lot of time. We ended up having to cut pages like on the day. So I'd be sitting there in the chair, retyping scenes and printing them and handing them to the actors and being like, all right, Nick and Francesca said to do this. And then I would just like run away and uh, (laughs) everyone's mad at me. (laughs) Wow. So okay. Wow, that is uh, crazy. It happened up until the very minute. I mean, they're yelling jokes at the actors to try, and that, I mean, it must be because you have an improv background, so that must be fun as well. And and it's it the word that I keep coming back to with you is just this collaborative, and it really feels like those rooms, and and it's just it's such a collaborative medium. I th- I think about watching deleted scenes on Step Brothers where Adam McKay is just sitting there like screaming, "Okay, now now say that you're a Nazi and there's underground tunnels that you know they're just they're mm-hmm. just riffing and, and and going off of it, but it still stays contained within the story." You know, I, I think yeah. what's it like having your work chewed up by someone like A.D. Bryant, who I think is of genius, or Annie Murphy, who was in one of my favorite shows of all time, and now is in in one two of my favorite shows of all time. No, but what's it like having them work on your stuff? I mean, I will say this, that I am at a place right now in my writing career where I don't feel like it's necessarily like my stuff. I definitely, I feel like I am like here to help the showrunner achieve what they want to achieve. And I I really, 
I thrive in that space. It almost is like a freedom to be like, all right, I see the tone and the vision that you are, you know, headed towards and I'm going to do anything I can. I'm going to pitch anything that I think is in that line. I'm going to write my best to be in that same voice. So that's part of like, you know, I don't, I don't really feel deep, deep ownership yet, but that said, it is like, pretty fucking cool to see people <laughs> say stuff that you wrote down. <laughs> yeah. Like, Amy Bryant, no big deal. It's my line. Yeah, that was the first show. I think, like, a couple things I pitched on Friends from College got in, but on Shrill, there were, like, a couple lines that I definitely, like, would pitch in the room because I had all, the three showrunners were just really supportive of that, even though I was the assistant. Uh-huh. And when they would put it, I would see them, like, put it in the script. I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to say it. <laughs> what, what's it like, the idea of just like waiting for your show to come on TV? And and, I, and Mike and I talked about that with stuff like Mad Men, where John Hamm says he's watching it on air date the same as everybody else. And it, it just must be a little nerve wracking, though. The same way you'd think about a playwright sitting back and hoping the audience connects with their play live. You know, do, is there is, is there a sense of nerves or what's what's happening on the day that the show's coming up? I mean, definitely nerves. You definitely, uh, even if I don't feel like it is like my baby, I definitely have like poured a lot of work into it, whether it's as an assistant or a writer. And I, I, on all the shows I've worked on, I really believed in them. So that is, I think, where the nerves come in. Cause it's like, you know, if I was working on a show that I didn't care about, I'd be like, yeah, you didn't like it. I didn't either. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I've worked on these shows that I think are not only just like funny, fun, good stuff, but like, important and like well done and and I feel proud of them so it's you know when you get a less than stellar review it definitely feels personal do you read your reviews oh yeah because again I I feel enough uh distance from it that I'm like you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, the things they don't like about that. Well, that was Valerie's trick. That's the showrunner. That has yeah. nothing to do with my, Who am I? This my genius lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get um, it. I get it. Well, it's all- Yeah, I definitely read, like, any and everything. I, I'll get into Twitter threads. And- oh, you get deep in it. That's, that's where the evil happens. I thought you were reading, like, Vulture reviews or and if the Times dug into- They all say the same stuff, though. People on that's Twitter- what, Is the jerks on Twitter? No, no, no. They just say the same stuff as each other. Oh, okay. someone, I don't know how it works, but with reviews, some one person just says like, this is good or this is bad. And then all the reviews are just like offshoots of that same idea. And Do they have a work cited page. I, they must. I got this they opinion always, from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the Birdman yeah. critic, right? Where it's like, yeah, I exactly. gotta win this critic or nothing yeah. else matters, which it was very deliberate in that movie, right? To, yeah. 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 It so is funny. that. You know, I feel like uh, the first season of Friends from College kind of for no reason got dragged. And I think part of it was that people saw Keegan-Michael Key and thought it was going to be real sketchy, but it was, it is more of a dramedy. And for whatever reason, they ran with it being like, this is not good. But then on Twitter, everyone's like, we love this. Mm-hmm. Um, second season, whoever this magical person is decided it's good and ran with um, that and then all the interviews all, all the reviews are just like someone's take on it's good um, interesting so twitter's the truth <laughs> twitter's where you Hot find take. it <laughs> we, we seem like we're in trouble but yeah that's probably true <laughs>
when you think about when you talk about how you feel distant now and you feel that you're you're helping with the with the vision but it's it's not truly your vision do you have anything that you would consider right now your baby to where in 10 or 15 years from now someone that's one of, on your show crew your writer's crew is talking about Kate's vision is there is there a project that you're cooking up in your mind right now I mean, there's always, you know, you have to have writing samples. So there's always like a couple ideas I'm knocking around to like write, a, you know, a writing sample of, write a pilot. Uh-huh. Um, What's that a sample? Is that a whole episode? The pilot? Yeah. So your writing okay. sample is just like an hour or a half hour example of what you can do. And so... You know, I've got one about my mom who is like a Southern belle who works at Planned Parenthood and like okay. that whole thing. Um, and then I'm trying to work on a, a drama just because now that I've had an experience doing that uh, with Kevin, I'm like, well, you know, I, I could see myself working on dramas. But I, I don't have anything right now that's like a burning, like this is my story to tell. Okay. Like I said earlier, I... I it's not like the popular cool thing to say that like I should be like, yeah, I have all these burning stories I need to tell, but I kind of am enjoying being a collaborator of many collaborators right now. Yeah. I like helping other people get their story out. What's the most interesting thing that you've kind of learned through that process of collaborating on a showrunner that you're going to take with you? Cause I know like Vince Gilligan worked very closely with David Chase, but there's, there's, there's all these examples throughout the history of television of somebody was in a writer's room, learned something critical that they took into this next great TV. Is there anything that you think is, has been most beneficial to you? Oh my gosh. So much. I mean, I think the rooms I've worked in, have all been really open. Um, and and I, I say that because I know people who have worked in rooms where it's felt really high pressure. And like, if, if your pitch isn't great, you shouldn't say it. And I've just seen it be so beneficial to have it be a really open room where people feel free to say something really stupid. Because even if it's an idea that everyone's like, that could never work, it usually leads somewhere interesting or at least like puts everyone in a good mood and then they're ready to, you know, get the real idea out. And I feel like that overall is just like, if I'm ever in charge of a writer's room, I definitely want to foster that environment. I want everyone to feel really comfortable pitching whatever, because the whole benefit of having a bunch of different minds in the room is not to have everyone pitch exactly what you're thinking already you know you want to it needs to be in the world of the show but everyone's got a different take on that and that's what's interesting in a, in a group i think there is a quote from sam mendez the director who said when you work on a film there's 200 creative minds in the room use them Mm-hmm. And I'm probably butchering this quote, but it's just you, you want to use the strength of your team. You've hired them on your team for a reason. Use them. And it, it really does feel I wonder how much of that is just the changing times in Hollywood um, where kind of a authoritarian or like a dictator type uh, menace. It's like they're kind of working that out of that system as much as possible. And so like. So some of the some of the stuff that I read about in the book where it's like the NYPD blue staff or even David Chase and some of these like grumpy old men uh, that 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 kind of stuff is 
is happening less. And, or maybe it's just that the, the crews and the projects that you've worked on have, have kind of had that mindset. Yeah. I'm not sure which, um, I mean, I definitely have been lucky. I know that for a fact that I, the people I've talked to who even have had positive experiences. I mean, I've worked in rooms that ran from 10 to five every day and everyone likes each other and it's just people riffing and joking all day and getting lunch brought to them. And it's just kind that of a dream. Great. Yeah. So the, the lunch so, part, delicious. Yeah, what's, lunch, what's a spread look like? Always been, what's talk, a, talk to us about those spreads, those Hollywood oh, spreads. I'll talk to you about lunch. <laughs> first of all, that was my job for a while. <laughs> um, you never want to get sushi for the room. That is a mess because I'll tell you what, the sushi places are going to put it all on the same platter and then you don't know who got what. Some people are allergic to shellfish. You don't want to give that guy a California roll. It's a mess. I mean, oh is this God. the new show? I, I, this know. is it. <laughs> we're, we're workshopping it. Starring okay. Annie Murphy and A.D. Bryant and Bob Panelon. Yep. Featuring Perfect. Matt Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah, lunch is what keeps the whole room running. And this last show I worked on, uh, so Kevin, um, my friend Danielle was the room PA, and she made a binder of like all the best restaurants in L.A. that she was like, listen, if we can get AMC to pay for this, why are we not eating at sugarfish and why are we not eating at uh carousel and just all these delicious places she had a binder and then we would kind of go through the day before and be like all right these are the things we're interested in for the next day and she'd have like a whiteboard we get to like vote on i mean she had it down to an art but it's it's important stuff because <laughs> you know some days people want Philly cheesesteaks for lunch. And if they do, you got to get all the work done in the morning because wow. nothing's happening after yeah. that. It's going to be very lethargic type of writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're, and and you're the, okay, and you're the salad and you're like, all right, we can postpone the work yeah. today. afternoon. we're all going to be even smarter. I mean, super thinking food. about which scenes you write during which parts around lunch. Almost yeah. like, do you watch, do you watch? I think you should leave. Yeah. The guy with the hot dog. It's yeah. Like, you can't <laughs> skip lunch. Yeah. Yeah, we would never Fuck do it. You'd be eating all the writers eating hot dogs out of their sleeves. Yeah. Well, because also then there's just snacks. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the other thing. Everyone gets to write on oh, a board. Cookie time. Everyone gets to write like what drink they want. Um, the first room I was in, the PA was like, yeah, I'm going to like make this board so everyone gets to put like one drink they want. And pretty much everyone chose like some flavor of LaCroix. And I was like, can my drink be Otter Pops? What's and an otter pop? An otter pop, like a a, a freezy. Oh, just like oh. a little popsicle guy. Yeah, the freeze pops. Oh, you the- West Coasters! I don't know what an otter pop. We just call it a, a popsicle or a slushy. What what do we call them? Like, what's our what's our term for that? Push pop. Rocket pops or rocket pop. I made that up. I, I, actually, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We don't know. We're, we're Midwesterners. We ICs. Ices. Ices. I mean, it was ices. Anyway, that was my drink and. All of, everyone in the room liked my drink best. I'll, I'll say that. That was the Fair best. Enough. Okay, I want you to get in a time machine. Time machine. Right? You can join the staff of any television show in, any, in the past, in the present, something in the future that you hear that's coming up that you think is relatively electric. Like, what show would you be joining as a writer and why? Mm, I feel like um, 
Like late seventies, early eighties, late night, and SNL. Whoa! Wow! What an answer. Tell me more. I like uppers, so I drive there. And yeah, that, that 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 was probably instead of a drink list that you're putting on the board, it's like, what's your preferred <laughs> yeah. upper? And then exactly. Belushi's going, cocaine, a lot of cocaine. Yeah. And Chevy's um, saying, also cocaine. Yeah, I just feel like that whole environment, um, you know, I'm sure as a woman, I would have not loved it, actually. Yeah. But it, can I, in the time machine, can I also be a white straight man? Yes. Okay, great. There's well, not a lot yeah. of rules when it comes to this time machine. <laughs> yeah, so because you get to be a white straight man writing for, who would you who would you want to collaborate most with on that late 70s or the, the 70s I cast? Mean, I think, oh, of those, I, I don't know if it's even like a specific cast as much as it is just like the stories you hear about those rooms like before there were rules, you know? Like, mm-hmm. That must have, man, those, it must have just been like Manifest Destiny pioneer stuff. Just yeah. like, this has never been done before. We're, we're trying to pull the show off in six days. Give me your best, weirdest Candy Graham land shark sketch idea. Okay, let's do it. Let's try to get a costume yeah, made out of that. Yeah, and a lot of them didn't work, and it felt like less of a big deal than it does now. Like, I feel like now people are so bitchy about, like, SNL sucks right now. Last week was bad, and it's like, I don't know, man. They turned out six sketches. <laughs> yeah. And well, a video. Some of them were good. Do you like the, the, the current product? Yeah, I'm really liking this this latest cast a lot. I think the I would I just watched the 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 recent one that Taylor Swift sang on. Uh my girlfriend Brecken is a big time mm-hmm. um Swifty. Taylor Swift. She's a Swifty, I guess that's what they call them. So we watched that one and I, I kind of leaned over to her and, and I had a gummy, so I was just like I was I was game. I was on a ride, and I was like, "Yo, these aren't bad." I was yeah. like, I, "I kind of anticipate." And then the Sudeikis episode was really strong. I, mm-hmm. I I actually thought it was pretty clean. Yeah, I've I've thought that they they've gotten away from political stuff, which is a huge relief. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it seems like they're having fun again. There was a while there where it was it felt a little forced, and I got that criticism. But overall, I've I've just always thought it was pretty fun. Um, and there was just a while where it was like popular to be like SNL sucks right now. <laughs> I was going to say, do you, um, cause one of my questions with this is how much other TV do you watch? And are you worried about not, not stealing an idea, but like just the influence of like writing something and seeing all this stuff. Like I almost wouldn't want to watch a lot of this stuff. Right. Cause like, how do you watch shows as a fan, as a writer? Uh, I guess it depends. Like I love watching dramas because I do, I feel like I can watch it more as a fan because that's just like not something I have a lot of experience writing. So I'm not like thinking through the math of it while I'm watching. Whereas comedy, like I, I most of the time I'm just enjoying it. But if I ever get like an out loud laugh, I'm going to like need to pause and be like, all right, like, what, why am I laughing this hard? <laughs> like, it's such a how curse. How do they achieve it? <laughs> it's such a curse. It's so hard and I went to an acting program, Ring the Siren, and there was a moment in acting two where my mentor said, you're never going to be able to watch, after we get done with with these few months that we have together, you're never going to be able to watch a TV show or a movie the same way again, because I will teach you how to deconstruct it and 
be able to think critically of it and to and to see what's happening in the structure of the plot. Like that is going to be something we discover here today. And you will be thinking analytically moving forward because that's what an actor needs to do. And as a writer, I'm sure similar things happened to you when you were learning creative writing and story structure. It's just like you you need to see the elements and think when something works, it's like, okay, why did that work? It's almost like a football coach learning why a certain play works, you know? So you just like, you're, you're constantly having that analytical brain on it. It's hard to turn off and just simply enjoy a story. Yeah. And then there is always like jealousy. Like there's like, when I'm really yes. enjoying a show, I'm partly like, fuck, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, that was a fucking Who is this person? Bet. How old are they? What's going on? Yeah. How old are they becomes more and more important. I will am, say. I, am I jealous of Pete Davidson or does he actually suck? Uh, or am I just jealous? That's Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. But there's and other people. In agreement. Yeah. yeah, he sucks. Yeah, there's other people where I'm like, Bill Hader, you just rock. And I'm just jealous about how much you rock. Yeah. 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 Anyway, or Sudeikis. Anywho. Great. Well, any final thoughts before we say goodbye, Kate? Any Anything that you, you'd like to share with the audience before we, we sign it out here? I, I want to ask y'all what y'all are enjoying watching the most right now. Oh, yeah. You're going you're gonna to turn it on us. Ooh. Right shot out of a cannon. Mike, you go first. What are, what are you enjoying watching? It's the old Hollywood 101. Turn it on the interviewer, huh? Yeah. Um, I think Succession is the best show on television. Oh, yeah. oh it's so good. Far. And um, that's a show that has great comedy and drama. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, all the lines are bangers. Yeah, the way that show incorporates like super dark humor uh, so consistently is amazing to me. Plus, it's saying a lot about what's going on in the world right now. So it's yeah, a succession. it punches up consistently, which is hard to pull off. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the entire show is hateable people, right? And you're yeah. still just like, I'm in on this. I want to under, yeah. you know. Who's, you got your favorite the, person that you hate. Right, who's my favorite, like, hateable person in this, uh, you know, which says a lot. So I think Succession. Mike, is, are you team Ken or are you team Logan? I'm I'm team Ken. Yeah. Uh, really just. Uh-oh, just, got a team Logan over there. I can hear. Look, no. We talked about this a little bit. I, I Ken is such a well-written, terrible business person. So. Just, has I'm no skill, talent, acumen, and he's just like, I'm just going to say stuff and leverage what, like whatever I have, and then people have to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's so well done that I'm like on the team because of that, basically. I just think it's so yeah. well done. I love it. And he performs it so well. I really so want my Twitter to be off the hook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I think I buy it so hard, and it's so well written that I actually I like can't it's too cringy. He's like gotten too oh, intense for me. I, I like sweat when he's on screen. Um, but Shiv is like a perfect blend of like, I'm being really confident, but like just ravaged with insecurity. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be a great show to write on. So succession, Mike, uh, any other ones? Mm-hmm. You got a, you got a one B. Um, well, I love lasso. I think everyone loves Ted lasso. Yeah. Just for the change of pace, it's a, it's a feel-good show for adults yeah. in a weird way. I don't know how they pulled that off, but it's really impressive. So I think both those shows are the two okay. that, you know, if there's a new episode, that's the thing with Succession. It's coming out each week, and I can watch it on HBO, and I love that. Watch love it like that. an adult cool. instead yes, of with a yeah. pint of ice cream and for 12 hours on a – even though everyone should go binge Shrill, and they should go binge Kevin Kniff himself. Yes. Please binge with, those. 
Which so, which when is the second season of Kemic and F himself? Do you know when that's going to be like on the air? I have no idea. No. She's like, I haven't written it yet, bro. I don't know yet. Okay. No, I just finished writing <laughs> my second half episode for for season two, but then and now it's the part where I just send it and then goodbye, and then that's it. That must be nice. Gotcha. Kate, to answer your question. For, for my favorite shows I'm enjoying, Curb is always something, if it's on, it's it's at the top of my list of must-sees. Succession, yeah. uh, I would agree with. I would say my favorite viewing experience in television this year was White Lotus. Oh. Speaking of another pitch black comedy, yeah. but I think- Mike White had, is oh, so he does, good. He does some really great, really great work. And I maybe mean, should, White Lotus, School of Rock? The man's yeah. a genius. So good. And I just, I really, I really liked that. It was complex. I mean, think I was, I was thrilled. I was laughing. Yeah. I, I was really into that show. Uh, so I, that, that's the one where people are like, what's kind of the last great thing you'd recommend? Cause I'm always out here like, ah, oh, shit, oh, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Like I'm always, I'm always like the critical asshole of, of the groups that I'm in any group that I'm in. And so people are like, okay, bro, like what, what would you recommend then? And I always say like white Lotus, Kevin can F himself. And then succession and and get out of my face, right? Yep. Larry David, uh, curb. But yeah, so th- those are the things that get me excited. I have been enjoying SNL. That's I, I think I, I do think it's the golden the third golden age of television. And a lot of the film producers aren't doing some of these kind of dramedies or serial comedies or or even just straight dramas or straight comedies. So a lot of that creative talent has funneled into Mm-hmm. television where there's this there's this creative playground where the gate is open and people can just go run and, and create great content and i really yeah. think that television is making a lot more quality content that's coming than that is what's coming out in the cinema and yeah. so you, you found yourself at a great time to be a tv writer yeah yeah well i guess that's our button right there it is there it is found it. so kate absolute pleasure i'm excited to have you on more i hope you become a regular guest yeah well hopefully i get uh hired on another show and i can talk to you all about that even if you don't get hired on another show and you're just serving lunch i want to hear what's happening in those oh yeah okay sounds good and and then next time maybe we can just talk about costume parties yes okay everybody we will have to share some of kate's greatest halloween costumes and both yes this is the whole thing we can get into very aggressive costumers i'm unwell yeah but i appreciate you coming on thank you so much congrats oh there's the sewing machine never far never far mike thanks for coming on buddy thanks for setting this interview up a lot of fun yeah of course thanks for coming on kate it was great all right, yeah, go, thank you so much. go enjoy Hawaii, you white lotus fuck. And we'll oh. see you guys later. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we'll see you down the road. Yeah. But I'm thinking it's time to go. Here we go. So get your